Welcome to the Midas Touch podcast, Ben, Brett, and Jordy fighting for democracy here and abroad. We have an incredible podcast incredible. for you today. And I know we always say we have an incredible podcast and we are always right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never failed to deliver. Point, yeah. I've never uh, failed yeah. to deliver yet on that promise. And so today's true. is particularly great. <laughs> We have as our guest, Jessica Denson. Now, if you don't know who Jessica Denson is, you're going to learn to love Jessica Denson, a true fighter. Denson was a former Trump campaign staffer in 2016, who then went on to sue the Trump campaign for discrimination. She had a horrible discriminatory situation over there that she spoke out against that she sued the Trump administration for, and she's challenged them in state court and federal court. And she's gotten the Trump NDA to be declared invalid against her. And she's not done there. As she continues to pursue her discrimination case against the Trump campaign. She's now fighting in a federal class action to get that same NDA invalidated against her invalidated against everyone. And the theme of today's pod, we want to start developing a theme. You know how we like to Tell develop the theme, a theme, ben. though, What's is the that theme, anyone ben? can make a difference and it's never too late to be that person to make a difference. And so Midas Touch, Midas Touch, we're not political. All of a sudden, the GOP official account was blocking us when we decided, hey, what, two years ago, almost two years ago, it's going to, hey, guys, so we're almost going to be like two years since our founding. And like, yeah, we have like, yeah that's crazy. Days, the 25th. That's so we started this off not political people. We were just like, yo, Trump is a dictator and we need to stop <laughs> him and his people. Can we do something yeah. through that? We got one follower, 10 followers and grow into, you know, millions of followers across platforms. And, and, and now we've become pro-democracy. I don't even think that's political. Like we support sane, rational actors who fight for democracy. I'm, I'm right there with you. And that's why, like, you know, it's the whole labels thing is is so weird to me. Because I know, like, in the beginning, like, when we, like, you know, because we weren't political, we, like, looked at our values, looked at our beliefs, and we were like, I, th- I guess we're progressive, right? Like, I think we're I think we're progressive. <laughs> that lines, like, I up, think that lines up with our beliefs. Um, but as we've gone on and, you know, we've seen the difference, we've seen, like, yeah, no, you know what? We're not political. Like, I don't think you can neatly box anybody into progressive, the conservative, left, right, whatever. Like at the end of the day, I want good humans in government. I want smart people in government. And I want people who actually just care about others. And that's really what drew me to making Midas Touch in the first place is we saw a madman who was denying the reality that a disease was coming to our shores that was going to kill people. And we were scared. We were scared for our country. And we've just met so many other like-minded people who were fearful for our country, remain fearful for our country and are doing something about it. And that's all you could really ask for. I mean, there's so much going on. There's so much stress. There's so much trauma that we're really burdened with every single day that at the end of the day, we just need good 
people, empathetic people who care, who are honest. And that's the core of my belief. And yeah, we've said this before. If, if Joe Biden starts telling people, you know what we need to do to combat COVID, the next COVID wave, start drinking bleach, everybody. You know what we would do? We would say, uh, no, Joe Biden, we're not going to do that. Slow your roll, Joe. Slow your roll. But that is not the case. And yes, as Ben mentioned, uh, we woke up to news the other day that the official Republican Party account at GOP has blocked Midas Touch on Twitter. Can't say I am too upset about it. I'm not exactly going to miss their tweets, but I think it shows a lot about their character or lack thereof. I didn't even say anything offensive to them. Like there are some people who I may be a little offensive to, like who people who deserve it, like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and and people like that. But, but to be clear, you- when you, like you're not saying like offensive things, like really like like mean, cruel things. You just when you're talking to those people, you show them why they're wrong. Yeah, rightfully so. And and occasionally these people are incredibly dumb and I'm not afraid to tell them that. So with the GOP though, the only thing that I've done, not even super frequently is they will post lies. They just post propaganda and like straight up, like easily disprovable lies. And so occasionally I would just reply to them and they would say like, America was energy independent under Trump and under Biden. We're no longer energy independent and we are producing less oil than ever. I mean, just a provable lie, like just straight up a lie. And I will just say, actually, I I think the last tweet that really triggered them is I said, actually, this is a lie. And here's the data explaining why what you're saying is not accurate. And that tweet went pretty viral just under as a reply. I think it ratioed them, which on Twitter is when your tweet gets more likes than the tweet that they sent out. I think they got offended. That's called a ratio, folks. You learned something on this podcast. And and so after getting ratioed and humiliated by facts, the GOP then decided to block Midas Touch, woke up, noticed that somebody had quote tweeted a uh, Republican Party tweet, and it said, this tweet is unavailable to you. And when I clicked onto the account, it was the GOP, and it said, you have been blocked. I've never heard of the GOP blocking anybody, anybody. I mean, the Arizona GOP blocks plenty of people, including us, people like Rudy Giuliani. You know, there's a whole host of people. Jen Ellis just blocked me. Jen Ellis blocked. There's a whole host of people in the party who block people and the most radical extreme factions of the party block people. I have never, ever, and I've asked many people ever heard of the national GOP account blocking people. We may be like the only major account that they block. It's it's insanity. Brothers, and it just cancel culture. The <laughs> cancel culture of it all is insane. So, so tr- cancel culture, free speech, yada, yada, yada. Well, I wear the block with a badge of honor. It shows Absolutely. the work that we're doing is resonating. And what I want to also amplify as well, and we had the pre-show with Roxanne on before she has the mail writing campaign, mailing to voters and activating voters in different states, specifically swing states to vote blue in 2022 for democracy with the postcard campaign and focused on turning Pennsylvania blue. But I want to see more of that. Okay, I really want to see more groups of people coming together, spending one day a week or one evening a week. If you post pictures of yourselves doing it like Roxanne and tag us, we will retweet it and amplify it. And you may say, well, I don't really have a big account. Well, we'll help you make the big account. (laughs) All we're asking you to do is spend some time with some friends and some colleagues and do something for 
uh, democracy in this election cycle. And we will make sure that we are amplifying everything that you're doing. So special shout out to Roxanne. Now, I do want to talk about, Brett, what, what you had been saying earlier, which is if at some point the Democrats all of a sudden change their platform, or if they started not fighting for democracy, if they started taking Putin's side, if they started. I mean, ex- exhibit A, Tulsi Gabbard. Like, Tulsi Gabbard. We, we don't go, oh, she's a Democrat, so we're going to triple down because she has a D next to her. And it, no, absolutely not. We go, no, that's fucked up. We're not going to support this. We can't support this. It doesn't align with our values. You know, I think there are some high level nuanced discussions, though, taking place between, you know, on a foreign policy level with Mitt Romney over whether or not we should close airspace over Ukraine, whether it's premature to do that. To me, those types of technical debates could be what separates political parties. That's kind of what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And we can say, hey, this is a better approach than that's a better approach. But that's not even what we're seeing in the debate right now. Like Mitt Romney's articulation in an intelligent way of his view of how to support Ukraine that is the 0.001% of the Republican Party. The Republican Party is like maniacs, you know, and not fringe random people. What the Republicans like to do, and I send Brett a text, they like mm. to show someone who purportedly identifies as progressive or whatever, who's not a leader in the party, who's not like a, 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 an elected official, like just a random person who's like yelling and go, see that random person in Oregon? Like that represents the Democratic Party, you know, or that person in, uh, you know, you know Maine or that person in New York. I'm not trying to pick on any states in particular. Yeah. The one I sent you, I think was at a school in Oregon. Um, but, but- here, these are the leaders yeah. of their yeah. party. Here are the main voices of their party. And we could start talking about the Trump rally, the leader of the Republican Party, again, apparently calling for insurrection over made up issues. He wants his supporters. This is what he said at his grift rally where he raises all of this money to pay for himself and to just put money into his own pockets and his family's pockets at this point. And he's calling for his supporters to, quote, lay down their very lives to fight against critical race theory. Again, using insurrectious, Taliban-like suicide bomber rhetoric with a made-up concept of critical race theory, which is taught in grad school. It's I mean, this is absolutely insane. I don't know at what point, and I think it has January 6th and before January 6th, by the way, but at what point does this rise to the level of legal incitement? He's telling his followers, he's telling his people to literally kill for him. Like you said, Ben, this is what terrorist groups do. And that's why I'm not afraid to call Donald Trump a terrorist. He's a terrorist, and, period. And that's why, it, and, and that shouldn't be a it's not hyperbole to say that. I mean, it's really not hyperbole to say that. And what's what's worse is the media, newspapers and stuff speaking about him as a legitimate political figure, calling this legitimate political discourse. While the Republican Party may have said that in writing and let the quiet part out loud, the media, the way people speak about this man and this party, they normalize this mania, this crazy behavior as legitimate political discourse. They go, oh, well, the Democrats did this and the Republicans did that when they are not just two sides of the same coin. We are not right now facing two different ideologies. 
I wish right now we were having a debate between, like you said, Ben, who has a better approach right now to Ukraine? Is Mitt Romney right? Is Joe Biden right? Should we be doing more? Should we? Is that escalation going to cause problems? Let's have a debate. Let's talk about that. How should we do healthcare? Is this system right? Is that system right? Should taxes be on these people? On that? Let's have those debates. Should this be a write-off? Should that be a write-off? I mean, let's, these are. Let's discuss policy. Let's let's talk about this because democracy shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter what letter is next to your name to defend democracy. It should not matter if you have a D, if you have an R, if you have an I or any other letter. That should not matter. But when you see people saying, telling people their followers, their large crowds to lay down their very lives in the fight against critical race theory, you got to step up and you got to say, as a human being, as a human being, I cannot support this person and the party that harbors this person and refuses to speak out against him. I want to highlight another thing that Trump said at this rally. And the reason why we have to talk about this guy, because a lot of people are like, why are you covering these rallies? Because he's a threat. He's the leader of one of the two largest political parties in this Mm -hmm. country that has a lot of power and sway on a large swath of people in this country. And during that same rally, Trump made this statement. He said, we will pass critical reforms, making every executive branch employee fireable by the president of the United States. The deep state must and will be brought to heel. First, brought to heel, a very fascist terminology right there. That's a fascist phrase. They must be brought to heel. In addition to that, saying that the president should have uninhibited power to fire anybody who works for the government, any civil servant who works for the government without any sort of oversight, that is calling for a dictatorship. That's calling to turn America into an autocratic country. It's calling to turn America into Russia. So when we're looking at Russia and we see images of protesters being whisked away for having signs that say literally nothing on it, when we see news about people in the Putin uh, regime being put under house arrest and, and the like and being pushed out of buildings and killed, this is the America that Donald Trump and the Republican Party want us to look like. This is the way they want our country to be. And so instead of looking at that as Oh, my God, what a horrible, horrible regime that can never happen here. I want you to look at that as our possible future if we don't get energized and if we don't show up. And that's why we put so much emphasis on we got to get to work writing those postcards. We got to do that because we need to do all these things right now while we still have the power to preserve our democracy. I can't sound the sirens loud enough at the rhetoric we are hearing from Trump, at the statements we are seeing from the GOP, and at the laws that the GOP is implementing throughout the country, which we'll also get to in a minute. But there are many other examples of these just horrible, horrible human beings that are infecting our country. The Trump sycophants eat it up. We have J.D. Vance, one of the top uh, Republican candidates for Senate in uh, Ohio. He tweeted out, everyone's losing their mind about this, but I've been calling for it every town hall I do. Either the president controls the executive branch or he doesn't. If he doesn't, we don't live in a republic. We live in a civil service driven oligarchy. And Vance there, of course, referring to the, the Trump statements we were just talking about. You know, and, and that to me, you know, look, it goes without saying. But that to me is like we're not even we're not even having uh, we're not even having discourse at this point. You're just right. saying stupid words. You're calling <laughs> civil servants an oligarchy. You're trying to compare oligarchy. Civil to servants who are making like thirty thousand dollars a year, doing their best to help this country, doing the grind that actually moves the wheels of America, calling them an oligarchy. 
This is who the Republican Party picks on. They pick on the librarians. They pick on the teachers. They pick on the other civil servants who who literally don't make enough to probably put food on the table for their families. And they're the oligarchs. Yeah, I mean, the oligarchs are Jared Kushner is the oligarch. The Trump family is the oligarch. That's American oligarchs who are not paying taxes and taking advantage of our system. And so when they call civil servants oligarchs, it is it is derangement. It is. Comp- and, and then speaking of derangement, then you have Congresswoman Nancy Mace of South Carolina. Trump's speech happened in South Carolina. She's running against Trumpers. And so she had to go to a um, to go to Trump Tower in New York and stand in front of it. And well, Ben, it starts before, though. It starts it starts way before. It's so crazy. Brett, break it down. Well, Mace used to portray herself as a middle of the road. I'm just a middle of the road, conservative, common sense, practical sort of politician. And then she went along on the Trump train on this MAGA bandwagon and started doubling down, tripling down on I am the biggest MAGA supporter, Trump first, America first, this, that, spouting every Trump lie, every Trump bullshit, defended him every single step of the way. But as everybody learns, you guys, as I don't know how people have not gotten this lesson, and this is a lesson that will be repeated throughout this video, that no matter how loyal you are to Donald Trump, he will always, always, always ruin your life at the end. He will always reject you when you need him most. It's not a two-way street with Trump. So yes, so ultimately, a more MAGA-friendly candidate, aka a more insane candidate, goes to run against Nancy Mace. And Trump, Instead of taking Nancy Mace's side, who has been defending all of his craziness this whole time, goes and defends her opponent. And so then Nancy Mace, in an act of desperation, complete desperation, like this is the most embarrassing thing ever. She goes to Trump Tower and takes like a selfie video of herself in front of Trump Tower being like, oh, like not mentioning that. He play the video. It's, it's so cringy. Play uh, the yeah, video. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll play it. Hey, everyone. Congresswoman Nancy Mace here. I, I'm in front of Trump Tower today and um, I remember in 2015 when President Trump announced his run. I was one of his earliest supporters. All right, all right. Honestly, that's all, that, that's all you, I need you, to see. But imagine debasing yourself and humiliating yourself like that. Again, for context, this is after Trump has now endorsed publicly the opponent running against Mace for that seat. And then what does Trump do and say and South Carolina about Mace? Play Trump now after Mace does that in the Trump Tower. She went to New York and stood in front of the magnificent Trump Tower. Has anyone ever heard of Trump Tower? And did a commercial insinuating that I was endorsing her. She's standing all the way in front of Trump Tower in New York. I'm saying, can you believe this? It was untruthful, just like everything else she does. Thankfully, this June, you have the chance to dump these grandstanding losers and replace them with two rock-solid America First champions. Congrats. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. That's what you get for bowing down to a dictator. And this is a very yes. dictator move to shame you, to name you, to make you feel like a loser because you are a loser because you showed weakness and he showed that he could, you showed him that he could run right over you. And that's what dictators do. And he did it too in that way because uh, she's a woman. Let's yeah. also be clear that he wanted to make a specific, specific example of her because she's a woman 
and because of her views and shamed her in that way to send a message to other people in MAGA. Like, and that's why the Ted Cruz's and the Lindsey Graham's are so obedient to him. Like they're afraid of that where they could stand up and stand for what's right. That scares them, which to me is just so horribly be embarrassing. Be a good person, but, please. And I don't want to, I don't want to give Mason person. out here though, too, either. Think about the grand gesture that she did. She flew to New York. She went in front of Trump Tower to do a video to bow down and literally kiss (laughs) the ring of Trump. It's the most humiliating video ever. Just, I mean, I'd say it's like an episode of Jerry Springer, this whole saga, but that would be the service to Jerry Springer shows. And then just talking about these, you know, truly embarrassing people who are the face of the Republican Party. I mean, play Madison Cawthorn first. Let's play the video of his views on Vladimir Zelensky. And then let's play what he said about Nancy Pelosi. Remember that Zelensky is a bum. Remember that the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt and it is incredibly evil and it has been pushing woke ideologies and it really does the new woke world. Okay. It's the same ideology also that he's, it's the same language and ideology that they use to refer to Democrats, woke, mm-hmm. you know, thug and, you know, all, all, all of those words. Well, they're all code and words for hero. democracy, right? They're all code words. Like when you say, oh, the woke, the woke agenda is what? The woke agenda must be a pro-democracy agenda. Pro-democracy, diversity, like, <laughs> like that, that is, that's what woke means to them, you know, and, and Zelensky so bravely fighting for democracy for the world at this point. And then let's play what Madison Cawthorn said about Nancy Pelosi the other day. A rule for me, but not for me. I think that's Nancy Pelosi's, uh, that's Nancy Pelosi's campaign slogan. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you, I have to work with her every single day, so please do pray for me. God help you. Uh, the, 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 the theories of alcoholism are very true. And, and it's, it's very sad. And just lying about her. I mean, you know, engaging Despicable. in... Pelosi famously doesn't drink, first of all. And Cawthorn is a guy who's been arrested multiple times as a rap sheet, has a lot of uh, other sexual assault allegations that have been levied against them. Even just recently uh, was uh, charged with driving without his license for the second time. And he may face up to 20 days in jail. They're all projectionists and they're criminals. I mean, they're straight up, they're criminals. And this is how dictatorships start, though, is the people, the worst among us, get power and they get elevated into positions in which they don't belong because they don't have morals and they will do the bidding of the leader. And that is the and direction- because they don't have a opposition that's willing to speak up. They can engage in that conduct because they're crazy. They've got nothing to lose and they're horrible people. But the rest, the, the rest, the true majority stays silent in the face of that, though, too. And that's why, though, we keep reiterating that you should do something, you know, like, do like what Roxanne did. Anything is something and we will amplify anything that you're doing, you know, whether it's again, we we talk about a lot Midas Jerry in Texas and her fighting with Beto O'Rourke, you know, a, any of, you know, and all the Midas Mighty for all the work they do, having Midas Mighty meetups to talk about spreading the word of democracy, referring this podcast, sending videos to friends, family, relatives, you can't be on the sidelines. And I want to talk about some of these policies also 
that are being implemented. And specifically, I want to talk about these laws to ban abortion and the type of legislatures who are pushing forward these things. And before doing that, though, I do want to talk about our partner, Athletic Greens. This podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. They say the proof is in the pudding. Well, I say the proof is in my green powder. No, that is not their slogan. That's a slogan I made up because I love Athletic Greens enough where I'm just making up slogans for them. You're just coming hopefully, up slogans for them. Now. <laughs> hopefully they like it. But yeah. I say, Something look at a tape of me. Four months ago, look at the tape of me now. The only difference is the variable. I've been drinking athletic greens. And what I do with athletic greens, you know it. I take the green powder. I scoop de doop de. I put it in the cup. I shake it. He's shaky. One scoop, one cup. Boom, I drink it and I have all the vitamins that I need. I'm absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens that help me and will help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, helps you with recovery, focus, and aging, all of these things. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, this is for you. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than a cold brew habit. And Athletic Greens was founded when its creator, same as me, experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine. It was costing him like $100 a day. So he founded Athletic Greens. Right now, reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Midas and take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I want to say this, I'm seeing photos of so many Midas Mighty taking athletic greens, going to athleticgreens.com slash Midas, posting those photos of themselves getting healthy. And I love it. I want to talk about another one of our partners and look what we're wearing. We've actually been wearing it every time. We're getting a lot of compliments this episode, especially. Compliments on this episode on the attire. But I got to tell you about our new sponsor, Buck Mason. I mean, we all have our favorite go-tos, right? Shirts, sweaters, jeans, the stuff you wear all the time. Well, I was getting dressed this morning and realized all my go-tos are from Buck Mason. I'm going to be honest. It wasn't even just this morning that I realized this. I wear Buck Mason literally every single day. If you go back to podcasts, like from the beginning of the Midas Touch podcast, I wear Buck Mason, I think literally every single day, at least 98% of the time, because Buck Mason's clothes are second to none. They're timeless. They never go out of style. Everything I own fits great right out the box and becomes my new favorite instantly. Buck Mason makes all the essentials, jeans, shirts, jackets, all my go-tos I love and so much more. I love the tailored look and the fit of the t-shirts. Even after wearing them and putting them through wash after wash, they look just as good as when I first wore them. The curved hem tee is my go-to. You look at the Midas Touch podcast videos going back to the very beginning, you will see me in the curved hem tees almost every single time. GQ loves it 
as much as I do, although I, I can't imagine anybody loving it more than me. They called it the best T-shirt in the game. Buck Mason had a store. They have a store in Silver Lake in Los Angeles where I used to live. And I would go to Buck Mason literally every week and buy new stuff. You open up my drawer, it's literally filled with Buck Mason stuff. I am so excited to have them as a sponsor on the show because I genuinely love, love, love their products. I wear them all the time. I vouch for them firsthand. And just look, I mean, just look, if you're watching the video, just look, it's, it's really just great class stuff. It makes it like in the morning, like I don't have to worry about what am I going to wear? I just know what to put together with my Buck Mason. And I know that I'm going to look good and get out into the world. So you got to try Buck Mason. Trust me on this. Once you try it, Buck Mason will become your go-tos as well. Head over to buckmason.com slash Midas and get a free t-shirt with your first order. That's an incredible deal. That's B-U-C-K-M-A-S-O-N dot com slash M-E-I-D-A-S to get a free t-shirt with your first order, buckmason.com slash Midas. Try it out. I promise you the Buck Mason gear is second to none. You are going to absolutely love it. Check it out. Check it out and get it for your friends. Get it for your family. Get it for yourself. It doesn't have to just be for you. Get Get it for anyone. And so let's get back into some of these issues. I want to talk about the where the Republicans are going with uh, their rules on the right to choose because Republicans are also being deceitful. The right to choose is a constitutional right codified in Roe v. Wade. It's been the precedent, the law of our land, a constitutional right, the right to choose for decades and decades and decades. Um, Then there was a later case, Casey, um, which further codified Roe v. Wade. Americans across the country, um, when the issues are polled, close to 70% of Americans support the right to choose yet, particularly, it's usually male legislators, but legislators in all these radical right extremist states, they're Republicans, but the Republicans are the radical right. And they've said, oh, this is a state's right issue. We're just going to keep it in our state. And, you know, if you want to get an abortion in a different state, you know, you can still have that right. Um, I want to say first and foremost, the right to choose is a constitutional right and should exist in every single state. Number one, number two, when we see where the radical right is going with this, a recent amendment to legislation in Missouri to prevent people from leaving the state to get abortions in other states, a amendment uh, from a Texas legislator to actually make getting an abortion subject to the death penalty. I'm not, it's not hyperbole. There is a legislator in Texas who wants abortion to be subject to the death penalty. Also, as you go in Missouri, Missouri's recent legislation would make it illegal to get an abortion, even if the patient is having an ectopic pregnancy. And, you know, if, if I'm speaking to any men out there, you know, who don't know what that is, because apparently the male legislature who put that language in there when he was confronted about what the procedure was, didn't know it, didn't know what it was. Oh my God. But why don't you just play that clip of a, of one of the um, female legislators asking the male legislator who put forward the bill about ectopic pregnancies. You know, you stated that um, women can get treatment for an ectopic pregnancy. Absolutely. Okay. 
Um, do you know how you know how the treatment for ectopic pregnancies work? Uh, no, I do not. You don't. Okay. Okay, so that's the individual who's putting forth legislation that would <laughs> prohibit abortions in the cases of ectopic pregnancies. And then let's tell let's tell you know our our listeners too what what it is in case they don't know what an ectopic pregnancy yeah, is. It's basically it, it's it, when it, a fertilized egg implants and it grows outside the main cavity of the uterus, and this is something that's a hundred percent fatal for the baby in the situation, and this could kill the mother. It's the number one cause of death in first trimester patients. So they're uh, basically they're forcing they're they're facing women. So ultimately, they're forcing childbearing people to decide, do I want to die or do I want to go to jail? Those are your options in life. All because this legislator, this man, doesn't even know what this procedure is, what this ectopic pregnancy even means. They don't even know what it is. Yet they are saying, okay, women, okay, any childbearing person, do you want to die? Or do you want to go to prison? You decide. You decide. That's the law here in Missouri. So that's what you have. What is this? What, the- what, what, what is this rooted in? Just evil? Just pure evil? Like, what, like what's your guys' opinion on that? Because it's it's the most despicable. Well, this the is most why you know despicable go, thing I can imagine. Going back to what we said in the beginning, and I'll let Ben ex, you know expound on his things. But this is why all of my political beliefs, hundred percent of them, are through the prism of. Are you a good person or are you a bad yeah. person? Is this for the good of society or is this evil? Is this for the, the detriment of society? And there are some things that may be gray areas and we could discuss those, but there are some areas that are pretty damn black and white. Mm-hmm. And this right here, it's a pretty clear distinction right here between what's good and what's evil. And it goes also to, you know, sadly, and you see this in authoritarian regimes a lot, male desires to control other male desires to control women, to tell women what they should and shouldn't do with their body. And it's just an example of government intruding into those decisions that a woman should make with her family, with herself, with her faith, and not with a man like the legislator that Brett just played the video of that disgusting man, that truly disgusting, vile human being who doesn't even know what it is that he's talking about, but is trying to control the bodies of women. And I honestly believe that this is going to be one of the key, if not the key issues in the 2022 midterms. No one's talking about it. We're talking about it on the podcast. We're talking about it because it's the right thing. It's the right thing to resist and oppose these domineering laws trying to get government involved in these decisions that should be made by women and childbearing persons. I also believe it's going to be incredibly important in the midterms as well, in terms of rallying people, because these laws are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And America is going to start looking like Saudi Arabia. It doesn't stop there, right? I mean, the next thing you're going to start hearing about is regulating the clothes, that yeah. men want women to wear, but you know, you know, that's, you'll start hearing about laws like that. You'll start hearing about whether women should drive or not drive. I mean, you think these are insane ideas, yeah. but this is what exists in, in other States. And hands may tell is a documentary. And fundamentally though, all those other issues, you know, kind of pale in comparison to the government making these decisions for women on the right to choose. And we have the Supreme court case Dobbs versus Mississippi 
that will overturn Roe v. Wade. It's seeking to overturn Roe v. Wade. That ruling is going to come out in May or June. So we're a few months away from that ruling. And I always keep saying, mark these words, that that ruling either will overturn Roe v. Wade or will uphold Mississippi's ban. And all these other states know it, that these radical right states, that's why they're passing this legislation. I don't want to just limit my criticism, but we'll bring in Jessica Denson in a second. I don't want to limit my criticism, though, just to, in that case, um, you know, Republicans in that context. I want to talk about other legislation. And we should note that Joe Manchin's votes shouldn't really, like, we we should always recognize when talking about Joe Manchin, one, that he is from West Virginia, and he's Mm -hmm. going to represent the interest of West Virginia. That's why, to me, a mansion is different than a cinema because cinema was actually voted to be a progressive and Manchin wasn't like, that's just the reality of when West Virginia is voted for, for Manchin. And she, she campaigned on a progressive agenda. Yeah. And we should also, when talking about Manchin note that all of the Republicans have far more radical views than him. So it shouldn't all hinge on Manchin. Like any criticism to Manchin is also a criticism because the right wing is even forcing Manchin to have this impact because they all vote no on common sense legislation. But today, Joe Manchin said he's going to vote against one of President Biden's Federal Reserve nominee, Sarah Bloom Raskin, a qualified progressive with a strong track record of holding big banks accountable. But this is why he's opposing her. He's opposing her because she supports clean energy. And this is the quote that he said about it. This is actually a quote from Joe Manchin. Quote, I'm very reluctant to go down the path of electric vehicles, Manchin said. I'm old enough to remember standing in line in 1974 trying to buy gas. I remember those days. I don't want to have to be standing in line waiting for a battery for my vehicle because we're now dependent on a foreign supply chain, mostly China. That's what Joe Manchin said today. How does Joe Manchin think people charge their electric cars? The great thing is, is that if there is a crisis like the one we're currently in, by the way, or like the one that he's referring to in 1974, if you have an electric vehicle, guess what? You're not affected by that crisis because you're charging your vehicle in your own garage or you're charging your vehicle at charging stations that in many states now are basically everywhere. I know in California, they are everywhere. So what he's saying is the most ridiculous argument on the planet. And it's informed by who pays Joe Manchin. And Joe Manchin is quite literally paid by oil and gas companies. And if believing in climate change is a disqualification for a job in the federal government for an appointment, who, you know, we're, we're in a lot of trouble. I mean, we're <laughs> in a lot of trouble because I, at this point, I think not pushing clean energy is a national security threat. We're seeing it. And by the way, I want to say right now we are producing more oil really like than ever in this country, certainly more than the end of the Trump administration. And um, we export more oil than we import by vast numbers. But we're seeing what happens to a global oil and gas supply chain when there are global crises and we rely on countries like Saudi Arabia to set the prices. We rely on a supply from Russia. When these all impact global prices and supply and demand and affect the global oil markets, guess what? It's a national security threat to the United States. So to me, anybody opposing clean energy right now, which would actually make America energy independent, you're a national security threat. 
Hmm. You've crossed that line. And to oppose somebody because they believe in clean energy is just a disgrace. And, and you're, you're hurting America's interests to line your own pockets. And that's what Manchin's doing. Absolutely. And that's what the rest of the Republican Party is doing. And Ben, I'm going to do something here that I've never done in the history of the Mighty Stitch podcast. I'm going to push back on you a little bit here. You said that Manchin represents the people of West Virginia. I don't think he does. He represents the people who line his pocket. I think when the policies were being passed in the Build Back Better initiative, it was overwhelmingly popular within West Virginia. Now, fast forward, Manchin opposes everything. Why? Because he's getting paid by these big lobbyists. I think that's a fair pushback. I would only say that Manchin didn't run on an agenda of being a candidate for these types of issues. That's, you know, that's the only distinction of him versus cinema. But you're right. When you actually poll the people of the state on the Build Back Better pieces of legislation, at least, they overwhelmingly support it and he's against it. Now, would their views here be different given the coal industry in West Virginia? I don't know. But broader than that, I think there is a fundamental education that needs to take place that America needs to be a leader in clean energy if that's where energy is mm -hmm. going in the future. We see where it's going in the future. So it is in our capitalistic interest. And by the way, he's complaining about the fact that a lot of these batteries from electric vehicles come from China. And I think that's a valid complaint. I think that's something that we should maybe do something about though. <laughs> maybe we push for clean energy and we work to make America the hub of clean energy where we can make all of our batteries here in America and make America the clean energy capital of the world. Like, why is that not the suggestion? Why is, oh, then we have to rely on oil and gas forever. That's our plan. We got to rely on coal. That's the future. That's the future for Joe Manchin. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I want to bring in Jessica Denson though. We've talked about how individuals. We spoke earlier in the podcast about what you can do at home to make a big impact on the election. I want to talk about what Jessica Denson has done in her fight against the Trump campaign, and that it's never too late to stand up for what's right and to make a big difference. And just before doing that, I want to give a shout out to one of our partners, Grove Collaborative. I love Grove Collaborative. Oh, Did you know that only for the environment? Did yeah. you exactly we're exactly we're talking about the environment did you know that only nine percent of plastic actually gets recycled no matter how much we put in our recycling bin wow at grove collaborative they believe it's time to ditch single-use plastics for good what does grove collaborative do it carries hundreds of products aimed at replacing single-use plastics across your home and personal care routine and by 2025 grove will be 100% plastic free, like Grove Collaborative's concentrated cleaners and refillable glass bottles. They're friendlier to the planet and twice as effective as the leading natural brands. Switch to sustainable products for every room in your home, from laundry care to hand soaps and more. Grove Collaborative has you covered with safe formulas and refillable packaging that never compromises on performance. And what I love about Grove Collaborative is it allows me to basically shop for products that are great for the environment yes. and products that I would want to use anyway. So rather than me going on one of these websites that has all these products and I have to like search individually mm -hmm. for the different Look kind at of the fine print, try to see print. what is in this. Yeah. You already know. 
Grove does the research for you. And so just like me, please join over 2 million households that are already shopping sustainably at Grove. Go to grove.com slash Midas Touch to get a free gift set worth up to $50 with your first order. That's unbelievable. They're giving you a gift set worth up to 50. Did you know when you were watching the Midas Touch podcast, you would just get a $50 gift seat? It's like you make money watching Midas Touch. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Plus shipping is fast and free. Please get started right now. This is good for you. This is great for the environment. Get started right now. Go to grove.com slash Midas Touch. Again, grove.com slash Midas Touch. Now, without further ado, let's bring in Jessica Denson. We are joined by Jessica Denson. Now, Jessica was a former Trump campaign staffer in 2016. Don't hold it against her. I said former. <laughs> she ended up suing the Trump campaign. She is also known, or I call her the NDA killer because through her pioneering <laughs> legal work, she won a major federal court ruling declaring that the NDA used by the Trump campaign, which may be the NDA Trump uses across the board in all of his matters, though, was unenforceable, unduly overbroad, vague and ambiguous. And Jessica, for most of this fight, fought it alone, pro se, without lawyers, and took on the Trump campaign as they sued her and battled her. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for that glorious introduction. I, <laughs> I feel very welcome. <laughs> Let me try to give some of the procedural background um, of, of it. If I get anything wrong, just you could correct me. You work sure. at the Trump campaign approximately three months. The experience is horrible. You sue the Trump campaign because not just is it horrible, it was discriminatory and the things you went through there were horrible. So you sue in state court for discrimination. The Trump campaign in typical Trump campaign fashion, they sue you in an arbitration for violating the NDA. You also sue in federal court. You now also have a class action pending in federal court to take away the NDA. The federal court action was also to negate the NDA. They, in typical Trump fashion, because you didn't know how to even proceed in the arbitration, they technically win the arbitration, but you appeal it, you win that, you win the federal court proceeding to, to get rid of the NDA, and now you have a class action pending to get rid of the NDA for everyone, and your discrimination case is still pending. Is that a somewhat good summary <laughs> of the events in two minutes? Whew, you just condensed like four years <laughs> of, of really, really intense fighting. But yes, very good job. And by the way, um, I did have that beautiful victory pro se early on in 2018, where my state court judge for the discrimination claim said that my claims could stay in open court because they tried to push my entire lawsuit behind closed doors into a secret arbitration. But Massive credit to um, my two lawyers that I brought on after I got this $50,000 judgment against me, David Bowles and Mari Josephson. They were responsible for getting that vacated in the first department in New York. Fast forward, like you said, I have a second class action going now, which is the one in which I got that beautiful judgment that this NDA in court 
it's a court precedent, which is something that they have avoided because these are arbitration agreements. And it's it's a it's an amazing story how this this case got out of arbitration into court. And there's a court precedent that the NDA is invalid. Thanks also to my expanded legal team with Protect Democracy who came on and um, is is a massive part of that fight, too. So now that we have that set up, let's rewind a little bit. It's interesting. You and I, we discovered this yesterday. We're in the same class at George Washington <laughs> University. No we way. graduated the same year. We probably sat, based on our last names, somewhere in the same area. <laughs> um, but we took somewhat different paths. And you had an acting career. I went, I did a law thing. Um, I found myself in politics and, and you found your politics. Now we find ourselves on the same side. But at some point in, you know, right before uh, the, you know, Trump started running, you found yourself, you know, in this Fox bubble and believing what Fox News was saying. And so you left a successful acting career to join the Trump campaign. So walk our viewers and listeners to like, how does that happen? It is through deep mental malpractice on the right um, it, it, through their media outlets and their constant propaganda. I went from being, um, you know, coming from a Republican family, but really considering myself a moderate and even pretty far left on some social issues. I mean, I, I wrote my high school thesis on why we should abolish the death penalty. <laughs> so I'm not your classic Republican. But um, I, I went from 2008 being a supporter of Barack Obama in the primary to ultimately voting for John McCain, but then just getting sucked in to the Fox News bubble. And um, we were talking about this before the interview. I think it condenses down to one word, and it is a word that we are dealing with right now on a global scale, and that word is freedom. And in my opinion, the right wing media has hijacked the freedom platform in the most vile way, because as we saw through the Trump years, they propped up Trump. They did not call out his his transgressions against democracy time after time. And they allowed their supporters to believe that following Trump was still following a candidate who believed and was supporting the cause of freedom. So that's kind of how I got sucked in. I mean, they really, really vilify. You have to understand if you are not a Fox viewer and if you have family that that is and that watches, you know, that side, how how deep the mesmerism is into believing that the the other side, the Democrats are not just, you know, they don't just have different policy views. They're evil. They they want to destroy this country. They want to turn it into a communist state. I mean, it is very, very aggressive. And so um, despite my better angels, despite having a background in journalism, I mean, I literally was a journalist major. I, I got awards for my work as a journalist. And even with that background, caring about journalism, caring about fr press freedoms and human rights, I got sucked into believing that networks like Fox had moral authority to um, represent, you know, what our country stands for. You were on stage at our graduation. You gave Wolf Blitzer his honorary degree. I, know, I remember I know. that moment. <laughs> I know. And to go from that to support <laughs> Trump, it's terrible. But it is true what you say. You know, CNN, MSNBC are doing whatever it is, you know, that they're doing. But you have Fox who are literally telling 
people, you need to hate the yes. Democrats, that the Democrats are not just wrong, according to Fox, but they are worse they're than our evil. foreign enemies or they're equal to our. That's the message over and over again. And it's poison. Yes. Yes. And, you know, speaking of GW, I went to so many journalism events when I was in college there. And one of them I remember was I think it was International Women for Media Freedom. Correct. You know, I might be getting that wrong, but um, it was an event where we had, you know, these very respectable women journalists. It was right after a Russian journalist had been killed. And we know that Putin kills journalists. And just to I reflect back on that moment and remember that I literally went from that world and understanding what a country like Russia and a dictator like Putin is to during the Obama administration because of the propaganda of Fox News, I literally had more respect. This is so shameful. This is so shameful. But I literally am telling you this for perspective, had more respect for Vladimir Putin than I did for for the Obama administration. That was the effect that that propaganda had on me, even with my background, even with the things that I care so deeply about. So understand, understand how how aggressive, like I said, this mental malpractice that the right wing media plays on its viewers is when when you when you think about, oh, we have this divided country. We really don't have such a divided country. We just have half a country that's brainwashed and lied to constantly. And so with that propaganda, you go from writing at the GW Hatchet, shout out to the GW Hatchet, our school paper, and then you uh, have your acting career and then you leave your acting career um, to join the Trump campaign in 2016. And then right away, as soon as you join, you kind of realize what have I gotten myself into? What is going on here? Describe the experience of working there and then, you know, your abrupt termination and exit from the Trump campaign. Well, it's currently, let me let you know, it's being litigated to this day. My state discrimination lawsuit, I, I think mine actually, um, as a litigant against the campaign, as a former employer, may be the only outstanding lawsuit to this day. But it's it's still being litigated to this day. I will I will give you a brief rundown. I was hired to work in the data department by an individual named Camilo Sandoval. Um, if you Google him, you'll see that he went on to Treasury, the VA, um, and in and out of the White House, ending up as a federal chief information security officer in the final days of Trump's campaign. Uh, I happen to think this is a highly questionable questionable individual who should be nowhere near data um, or government clearances. That said, I went to work for him in his data department. So I got to see how he worked on the backside. Um, and this is a very, very controlling individual. He hired myself and another woman who happens to be a lingerie model with a <laughs> very large Instagram following to work in his data department. Two, you know, young, pretty women who have no background in data. And it was very clear that we were there to be his his kind of mindless cheerleaders. And um, I guess his plan didn't go so well because a week or two in, I was asked to do a translation project um, by Steve Bannon. 
and did very well on it. And Steve Bannon, of all people, um, promoted me to be the first um, Hispanic engagement director for the campaign. So he, he put me in charge of mobilizing a Hispanic engagement uh, initiative that was pretty much dormant. And that became my job and I was doing very well and um, making, <laughs> making, trying to make the Trump campaign for, um, you know, diversity engagement, something that it could never really be, but it, my idealized version, it was a very welcoming place and, and inclusive. Um, I created a, a, a slogan for them, did bilingual literature, bilingual Twitter, uh, engaged with, you know, several states where we were um, reaching out. Anyway, fast forward, this, this did not sit well with the man who hired me, Sandoval. And he, um, he launched an all out assault on, on my character. He told people that I was leaking Trump's taxes, that I was shopping bits to the media. He basically portrayed me like a spy and a criminal within this campaign. Um, and I, I really did not, um, I was so naive as to who Donald Trump was, so ignorant as to his background and his MO, that I thought that this Sandoval character was an anomaly. And, you know, he was just this bad guy and I reported him to HR. Even the woman who replaced me in his data department had the same experience with him wow. and was taken out of the department after two days. Um, and they, in typical Trump fashion, uh, you know, retaliated against me, banned me from Trump Tower, expelled me to Colorado, told people to keep me away from Donald Trump. Um, to, to try to give you just a sense of the weight that I felt at that time, a lot of this was going on on Access Hollywood weekend. And I just, I literally felt, I, I was so terrified. I was so afraid. And I felt like the weight of that presidential campaign was weighing on my shoulders to basically keep quiet. That, I, I lived with this for a year. I obviously did not get any job opportunities coming out of the, the, the Trump campaign. You know, I was PN, PNG after this. Um, but I lived under a very dark shadow for a year, just wanting to walk away and pretend like this never happened to me. And I ultimately came to kind of an existential moment um, in my life where I realized I couldn't move forward representing anything that I cared about as a human being, as a woman, if I did not take a stand about what happened. And so a year later, without having time to get a lawyer, without having money for a lawyer, I literally filed a pro se lawsuit against the Trump campaign. And that was the beginning. So you bring the discrimination lawsuit. They claim that the state court case that you bring in the New York Supreme Court, for all those listening, the New York Supreme Court is the trial court in New York. The Trump campaign argues that should be subject to arbitration. And not only that, they sue you in an arbitration for breaching the non-disparagement agreement, for filing the lawsuit. And at that time, you had a very small Twitter following of about 30 people and discussing people. that you filed the lawsuit. They Not said even that yet. Was Not even yet. That was added later to their claim. The original claim was just the lawsuit. Just, just you that filed you had filed a lawsuit. Yeah. And you're not... You're a good pro se litigant, but you're not familiar with all of those processes. <laughs> so meanwhile, they're going in this private arbitration forum um, and almost sneakily 
getting a $50,000 judgment against you. What was going through your mind at that time when they then sued you? My goodness, my goodness. Um, well, I'll tell you, first of all, the suit against me was for $1.5 million. That was what the arbitration demand was. They served it to me on Christmas Eve. This is this is their style. You know, coal in your stockings is nothing compared to the, the hatred exuded, you know, expressed by these campaign and their actions. Um, but it was it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. Like, as you know, as a pro se litigant, I did not know all of my options. One option would have been to file a stay to this arbitration saying, please stay this pending the outcome of my state claims. But I did. I just you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know I could do that. And I felt like the way that I had to handle this was proactively. I, I thought that entering that arbitration in any fashion was going to be extremely dangerous. I thought that it would um, compromise my claims. I thought that all my claims from the state case, even if even if they weren't arbitrable, would be drawn into this this behind closed door proceeding. And I just didn't know any better way than to avoid it altogether. So it was it was very daunting. Um, I, I went to federal court, like you mentioned before, and filed my first um, iteration of a lawsuit to invalidate the NDA. And I, I, you know, rolled up my sleeves. And as I was trying very hard to get a lawyer who would take my case on contingency, like, like you said, I started a Twitter feed, very humble, I had 32 <laughs> followers. <laughs> I, I had a small GoFundMe account. I mean, this was, this is, understand when you have this NDA, the, the catch 22 that I'm under. So here I am entirely alone, needing, I needed the publicity more than anything just to get representation. That's what I needed. Even at this point, I'm, you know, my story is mostly out in the lawsuit, at least the, the legal aspects of it. And I just need help. I need legal help. And so I do the most, you know, meager thing and start this little Twitter account and go fund me to try to get a lawyer or get money to pay a lawyer. And they go after that in this secret arbitration that they have going on behind the scenes. And, um, you know, I had some I had some lawyer friends who couldn't represent me because they're in other jurisdictions kind of trying to, you know, help me as they could and guide me along. And everybody was saying, especially I had this one motion coming up in state court, which is the one I told you I won, where I had to argue to keep my claims out of the arbitration. And they told me, don't do don't file this motion on your own. You need to get a lawyer first. Just get your extensions, get another extension, another. And it came down to the wire and I couldn't get any more extensions. And I just had to I had to write that motion myself. And I and I did it. I, you know, did an all nighter, wrote that motion, you know, put in everything about why this NDA did not apply to my case. And I went to court, just me. And the Trump campaign lawyer, I had, you know, a little notepad with a couple notes on it. He had his transcript and was like reading like this from it. And the judge had to say, uh, Mr. Uh, McPartland, can you please put your head up? I can't hear you. And it was just it was so beautiful because the words were like, I mean, to take you back to what where I had to get as a as a human being, as a woman to file this lawsuit, I had to say, I had to almost take myself out of the picture and be like, this happened to some other woman and I'm going to represent this other woman that this terrible thing happened to because it was too close to me. And I almost felt like, you know, who's going to care about me? You know, you have these self-doubt 
feelings. So when I went to court and I was, you know, had tried so hard to get a lawyer, I thought, okay, I'm going in there to, to represent this woman and represent what this woman is worth. And so I just kind of, you know, took myself out of it. And it was it was a beautiful hearing. And like I said, I ended up winning that, which was, you know, set in motion a lot of um, the rest of the case. Now, the Trump NDA, for those who don't know, is it basically says anything that Donald Trump deems to be confidential, anything he feels is confidential should all of a sudden be confidential. And he's weaponized this NDA against his victims and against the victims of his companies for decades into his presidency. And so now we see because of your court victories, people like Amorosa who signed the NDA, and that's just a high profile example, but the class action that you brought, I mean, this is this is real legal jujitsu out there for those who don't know that you've been doing. I mean, you got an arbitration judgment against you set aside. You filed a state court action. Um, you went to the court of appeals in state court to get that arbitration set aside. You filed a federal court case on your own behalf. You filed a class action federal case on behalf of all similarly situated people who signed the NDA. You won the federal case on your own behalf, but you're not done. Now your fight is on behalf of all the individuals similarly situated who have signed that NDA. So how do you have, with all that said, like, where are you finding the power and determination to to do all of this as as one individual? Because we have lots of followers out there and people who watch this who goes, I don't know if I can do it on my own. I'm not sure if I have the ability, but you, you didn't have a legal background and, you, and you're doing all of this. Well, you know what? I, I'm so glad you asked me that question because every one of us has so much more power than we realize. We are so powerful. And this moment that we find ourselves in, you have to understand when I dropped you know, put, I didn't drop my acting career. I'm an artist. I still want to act. I, when I put it on hold in 2016 to work for this campaign, you have to realize how much of a cause I thought I was joining. Okay. I thought I was joining a cause to save America, that gaslit expression that Trump still uses to this day, realizing that I was so deceived that the, the up is down propaganda that is the same playbook that we're seeing that that Putin uses, that dictators use. I'm going into denazify. Okay, this is the same playbook that Trump uses about freedom. Trump is a dictator. Having lived this experience and realized how realizing how I was deceived and going through this experience of the, this NDA, this weapon that, like you've said, that he's used for decades to silence and intimidate people and create this facade of who he is that is a total phony picture that is totally unreal that millions of americans still so tragically believe in um how can i not how can i not use everything that i know to continue this fight and to encourage others i mean what i did was 
you have a lot of your followers, a lot of the people watching this probably have never heard of me, but what I've been doing is I've been using the legal system. I think the legal system in this moment in history has such a huge role to play in the future of our democracy. And I say that specifically with regards to the criminal justice system. Our, our, the duty of, of, of this generation of Americans is to demand that our justice system holds Donald Trump accountable for his crimes against this country. This isn't a political thing. This is his own, his own followers are his victims. And I just want everybody to feel that glimmer of hope that I felt when I was a year later after having gone through this terrorizing experience on this campaign and just feeling so crushed and like I just wanted to walk away and learn from my own mistakes. And I realized I have a role in the world. It was just a very simple realization. My well-being matters to the whole universe. And as resistant as I was to taking action, I took that without any idea of how any of this legal jujitsu, as you describe it, would play out without having any idea that I was going to be responsible for, you know, killing Trump's NDA that he used for decades. I just knew that I was doing what was right, the right thing in my own situation at the moment. And look where it brought me. So I we each of us has so much power. And if we exercise that power and and, you, you know, bring it to bear upon our institutions. And, you know, I, I want I want to say one other thing about about yeah. the Department of Justice and, and the, the possibility and the, the need for criminal charges against Donald Trump. They need to know that the American people are going to have their back. We've all seen Donald Trump bully and and uh, you know claim witch hunt when when legitimate in investigations and um, you know prosecute you know potential prosecutions into him are going on we the the justice system needs to know that the American people have their back and we are not going to allow this false narrative that is attempting to um, you know make it so there's there's um, impunity for the largest most offensive criminals of, against democracy be something that, that, that we're, we're okay with in America. I stepped forward, I jumped off that cliff and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, you can do it. You can do it too. And you step forward in the very, very, very beginning of everything. I'm curious, what do you make of the progression or rather the regression, I guess you could say, of Trump over these past few years? What do you think of the Donald Trump you're seeing right now doing these rallies, the things he's saying in comparison also to the guy who you knew back then? You know, in, in some ways it's a regression. In other ways, I think this is who he's always been. We all know that he, su he surrounds himself with people who, um, who, Maybe it sometimes challenged him, but ultimately, ultimately loyalists, quote unquote loyalists, people who tell him what he wants to hear, are the people that he keeps close and to him. Do you think at this point, all the people who may challenge him, do you think they've all basically been purged and now it's just the most diehard sycophants who are next to him? Oh, I, sure. I, I think so. I mean, I think that I, I think that you need to think about the answer to that question in the context of a God forbid future presidential run. Yeah. I mean, we we just narrowly averted, you know, almost an authoritarian takeover of the United States presidency. Yeah. 
Trump had been reelected. So, um, yes, it's extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. One thing with my interactions with him, I had several, you know, one on one interactions with him. The man is morally insane, but he's not insane. He knows he knows that his behavior is wrong. He knows that he lost the election. There's there's a, um, a quote that always sticks with me. Um, if you remember in early 2020, right after the pandemic, Bob Woodward interviewed Trump. Yeah. And there were tapes that came out afterwards of their interviews. And one of the things that Bob Woodward said to Trump was, um, I think I know you pretty well now. And Trump said, you don't know me. You'll mm. know me after the election. To me, that says everything you ever need to know about mens rea, about intent, about what is on his mind, about keeping himself in power, in control. This is not a free, a leader of a free country. This is someone with a dictator's mentality. Um, and the only way those people survive is by keeping close to them people that will, um, you know, sanction their, their behavior no matter what yeah. it is. It's scary. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really scary stuff. What would your message be to those still in, you know, the Trump bubble, the Fox News bubble? How do we pull those people out? What's your message to them? My message is take your lives back. Take your lives back. You know, we've probably, um, we've all at this point heard reports of Russian soldiers who have not understood what they're going in to fight for into in Ukraine. They say that we've been lied to. We've seen, you know, these images of Ukrainians giving them tea and them surrendering and that yeah. prisoner of war um, talking about how he'd been lied to. And, you know, one an image that came to me when I first saw that was something I've actually never seen again. I, I want to find this clip, but there was a young man who was interviewed outside the Capitol on January 6th. And he was crying and he had tear gas in his eyes and he had been, I think he even had blood on him. He had been very close to Ashley Babbitt when she was shot. And he, he said, we're just here. We're fighting for freedom. We're just here fighting for our country. And I, as much as you can, you know, you know, we know all these January 6th rioters, they have different motivations, many issues. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to excuse any of them, but they were used by Donald Trump. He didn't walk to the Capitol with them. They were used to do his bidding to to literally, they thought, save their country. It's such a vile use of of people's, you know, mis, misguided good intentions. It, it's my message to these people is take your lives back. If you are a supporter of Donald Trump and Donald Trump or God forbid his one of his children, his corrupt children ends up in the White House, there is going to be there's going to come a time when the interests of your family, the interests of someone you love comes up against his interest. And you are going to have to learn the hard way and, and listen to us who have suffered and experienced this. You're going to have to learn the hard way that he will do anything to destroy you to preserve his interests. That is not a leader. That is not a president, not a deal maker, not a good businessman, not any, not an, not, not an American. Donald Trump might have been born in this country. I think he's the most foreign president we've ever had. So take your lives back, be a patriot, stand up for freedom and realize that you've been lied to. That's been a major theme of this episode. Don't tell someone you love them and then vote for someone or support someone who 
ultimately will hurt them. Jessica yeah. Denson, thank you so much for joining us on the Midas Touch podcast. One of the most interesting stories of courage in the thank face you. of Trump tyranny you may never have heard until now. Jessica Denson, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. The Jessica Denson's story needs to be told more. Like it's Aaron I can't, believe, I can't believe that we are the first people to really interview Jessica about this. And I thought, I think her story is fascinating. And I love that, you know, she spoke out from the beginning. Like she was like basically day one realized, oh, this is like a corrupt enterprise with evil intentions and they're doing bad things. And she spoke out and she's still speaking out. And even though she won personally, that wasn't enough for her. Mm-hmm. Now she's trying to protect all the other people who were put under these NDAs who want to speak out, who want to be able to say things without having to go through what she's gone through, go through the monetary loss, the loss of time, the emotional damage, everything else that she's had to experience as a result of this. And I think that's to be respected and commended. I think I think that's Absolutely. really, 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 really cool. Absolutely. One of the most intriguing things to me, it really just shows you that it's not just the folks who aren't you know, college educated who get duped by Trump. She's a very intelligent person. Ben, you guys were in the same graduating class. You said she gave an award to Wolf Blitzer on your commencement day or, or whatnot. That's, that's incredible. But it just goes to show how manipulative Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, and that Trump bubble can really be. And once it gets, your, once it gets the grips on you, man, it's hard to shake. And so just shout out to her for, for getting out. You know, and speaking about the grips that it gets on you, I mean, and and Jessica, obviously very highly educated. I mean, she's brilliant. And I'm so glad that she's standing up for people. But Jordy, you and I had the experience. I'm not going to give the individual's name, but it caused us to. Um, <laughs> I called you know, the daddy. You know, you, you called. And again, I don't want to give this person's name, but this is how the conversation with me and this individual started. Um, they texted me and they said, fight me. And then they sent me a Joe Biden meme that says dementia, my ass. I've always been this dumb. And then I responded and I don't respond to a lot of these because I get so many mostly love, but this one I responded to just because I saw his picture and it looked like just like a nice person. Like it didn't look like it was like some random, like troll account. It looked like just a kid. And then I said, you want me to fight you? And then he wrote, you have no political knowledge. Stay out of it. Then I wrote, out of what? Then he wrote, stop acting so fucking dumb and innocent. You should be banned from the United States and talking politics for your entire life. I hope you enjoy paying $100 at the gas pump. And I responded, thanks for the DM with his name. Um, And then he goes, I'm always here to educate you. So that was four days ago. Four days passed. Then I get a message. I'm sorry for what I've said. And I said, it's okay. And he said, man, listen, I'm mad at the time and I never meant anything. I didn't mean to hurt you guys. I hope we can move forward. I told Jordy I was sorry too. It was the first time I realized Jordy was somehow involved. In it. <laughs> we were all, we were all getting we're, messages. We were all getting messages from the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, and I guess going, I but... engaged the Jordy again. I wrote, great, yeah. no worries. I said, didn't hurt me. I get about thousand messages of love and support each day and about five to 10 that are pretty harsh and mean. And then even a few that are death threats and just very hostile. I am okay with it as long as it's free speech and a good old fashioned criticism and ribbing is fine. I wrote, I'm sure you'd be surprised if we ever chatted that our views may not be all that different. Lots of people make stuff up about me and my brothers, but we are pretty just pro-democracy in our views. 
but also support workers and believe people should be treated well, have a good paying job, get health care and be able to live the American dream. There really is very little that is radical about any of my views. He goes, I understand. Is Jordy mad at me? <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing that heard, he goes, I heard. Now I'm thinking what's going on. He goes, because my dad asked me, he goes, because my no. dad asked me about something and I'm scared and I promised it won't happen again. First off, but Jordy, I, calling the dads is my move. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I totally took a page. That's when I realized time, Jordy so, called his daddy. So I, so I called his dad and I just want to frame. It. He's not, he's not 12. Ben called him a kid. He's not 14. This kid this this adult man child has a full grown beard in his profile picture. I won't say he's his probably name. what 18 or 19. No, he's probably like 26 to 35, like that sort of range. Okay. And he, and by the way, the messages he sent to you were tame in comparison to what he was sending to me. I mean, just like really, really egregious stuff that he even deleted before I could take a screenshot I think he gave of it. Up, I think he gave up by the time he got to me um, <laughs> because so once I heard that you had a conversation with him and, and Ben had a conversation with him, I thought I'm going to feel left out if I didn't get some hate from this guy too. Like, like I must, like I must have him, right? right? I was going to genuinely feel bad about it. Like I, he must like, I, I, what, I'm the reject here. I, I don't get the hate too. This is what my brothers do. So, uh, so I go and I check out my DMs and of course I had one waiting there for me and i'm reading it now it said you want to fight which i think how he started yours off yeah. and i already knew what y'all had been through with him so i said this i said hey I, I know times are tough and sometimes that can make people scared and angry i i completely understand so his name i'm going to assume you just aren't quite sure how to process you know your pain and your frustrations and i understand that but i hope that you're able to find some inner peace during these times and nice. he responded back to me uh Fuck you. The, the, the next day no and he just said i'm he said i'm sorry man yeah and, yeah. I, and I never well, responded after well, that. Well, again, but, but what, what forces this, what forces the apology though, is when you, you push back, it wasn't just our kind words to start this dialogue with this lunatic. I had to, and I mean, this kid is just, this adult man child, just the dumbest person. His name, he's a junior. His dad has the same name. And his dad owns a company <laughs> and he works for his dad's company. So all I did was plug into Facebook this kid's name, adult man child's name. And his dad popped up right away, liked his picture. So I called the company, called the dad. And then that's why he apologized to all of us. I don't want to make it like this kid, adult man child has done this out of any goodwill, but no, and no, at no. least it opened up a dialogue and a space for us. But, here's, to have but, a conversation but here's the thing. And this him. is where Brett, this is where Brett's about to hit. I, I think though, which is, I'm not, I'm not, we're not talking about this person's experience. We get so many experiences like this, but it yeah. speaks to the control of, of Fox, the control of these cultures of hate and these people saying, you know, really radicalizing these, these people, yeah. kids, men, women, you know, uh, who are turning, who, who, who are, who are turning their hate towards us and to others in a way that's just so weird, Brett. And so I know, I think you were going to say, yeah, no, it. it actually was um, a little weirded out by the fact that I knew exactly where I was going with it. But I guess, I guess we <laughs> do this podcast or something. I guess, I guess we do this podcast pretty often. But I'll, I'll, I'll add to that that it's just like, I mean, I implore you. I mean, you, you know, you've heard this podcast. We've been speaking for a while today. Find me anything where we've said anything disrespectful. Find me anywhere where we've spread hate, where we've spread lies, where we've, where we've encouraged division. We don't do that at Midas Touch, yet there is this view on the right and on Fox News and Tucker Carlson and all these people who will view us as being divisive because we speak out against hate, because we speak out mm. against intolerance. But intolerance against intolerance is not intolerance. 
You know, you sh- if somebody That's does something point. bad, you should be able to speak out against it without then you being like, why are you being so mean that you're speaking out against the guy and calling him a bad person because mm. he wants to like you're trying to cancel me. I'm not trying to cancel you. I'm criticizing you because you said racist things. Yeah. How dare you think that's me trying to cancel you? When If you say good things and funny things, I'll, I'll go and I'll say, hey, I enjoyed that episode. I enjoyed that show. But when I see something wrong, I'm going to confront it. And that's not canceling you, right. especially not canceling you if you have a platform of millions and millions of people also for me to criticize you and say, you know what? That's wrong. You support Vladimir Putin. That's wrong. You say racist things and horrible things. That's wrong. And you should correct that and not do that. Oh, cancel culture. Cancel culture is coming for me. No, that's not cancel culture coming for you. You're supporting someone who wants to cancel what makes America truly a special country. You, you are trying to cancel tolerance. You are trying to cancel love and harmony amongst us. You're the you're the cancel culture artist. You're being criticized for it. And Brett, that's right. Intolerance against intolerance is not intolerance. On that note, Brett, tell us about tell us about our partner thesis. Yeah, and I think we're on fire today because we're of fire. thesis. By fire. I think fire. I think I'm I think fire. it's fire. just fire. I feel focused. Fire. I fire. fire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, how many unread emails do you have sitting in your inbox? I know I have a whole lot. Wait Are you wasting hours fire. of your day procrastinating? If you're having trouble getting it done and getting started, thesis can help because thesis makes these personalized fire. supplement formulas that are designed specifically to boost cognitive function. It's based on the science of nootropics, which are natural and powerful ingredients. Think, you know, caffeine, ginseng, B12. We, we all know those things. And these increase productivity, focus, energy, and mental clarity. So you feel energized without the crash. It cuts through your brain fog. So you think clearly and gives you a little bit of help with motivation to find your flow. Here's what I did. Recommend this. Take the three minute online quiz and thesis will recommend high quality nootropic formulas that are unique to you and your goals. Over 60,000, you heard that right. 60,000 entrepreneurs, lawyers, engineers, busy professionals, parents, and hosts of the Midas Touch podcast, I may add, have used Thesis to get better results <laughs> at work and at home. So imagine what you could do at Thesis. Right now, Thesis is offering Midas Touch listeners 10% off your first starter kit when you visit takethesis.com slash Midas. So go to takethesis.com slash Midas to take the quiz and discover your unique nootropic combination and save 10% on your first starter kit. You take the quiz, you tell them, you know what, I'm having trouble focusing during the day. I'm having trouble getting out of bed. They'll provide you with exactly what you need to help those issues. It's been a godsend for me. So that's takethesis.com slash Midas, M-E-I-D-A-S. Make sure you use that URL to let them know that we sent you. And you know, Ben, Jordy. I'm glad you said URL and not Earl. No, it's not an Earl, Ben. It's not an Earl, Ben. Let me tell you, you know, as we approach the midterms, the GOP is going to put a higher and a higher emphasis on the costs that Americans are facing. And I think we need to be cognizant that Americans are being hit hard right now. I mean, we're being asked to make a lot of sacrifices after two years plus of making sacrifices. And by the way, COVID's still with us. You know, I know people are acting like COVID's gone. There are waves right now in Europe springing up. There are waves in China happening that are shutting down cities and hurting the supply chain again. And those waves are going to come to us. They're going to come right back here. So we've been asked to sacrifice. We're still sacrificing. 
But what I won't accept are Republicans acting like they are the ones who are going to save us from high costs. Because let's talk about costs and let's talk about who's actually put forward legislation to help with costs and who's put forward legislation, comments or whatever to actually hurt Americans. Because all I know is the Democrats spent basically all year trying to pass the Build Back Better bill which would have lowered costs, free childcare, paid leave, universal pre-K, free community college. It would have extended the child tax credits. It would have capped insulin at $35 a year, expanded Medicare, increased healthcare subsidies, tax credits for clean energy. Every Republican voted against that. Those provisions, every single one, would be helping Americans tremendously right now, tremendously. We're also coming up right now, it's just about the one-year anniversary of the American Rescue Plan, President Biden's first major piece of legislation. Every Republican voted against the American Rescue Plan. To be clear, the American Rescue Plan lowered taxes for working families. It gave funding to schools to deal with the pandemic, funding for the vaccination effort, which now has over 75% plus of Americans fully vaccinated. It sent checks to every American. Look at every bill out there. Look at everything out there. I think you are being intellectually dishonest. I think it is journalistic malpractice. If a Republican goes on a show to complain about inflation or to complain about gas prices and not be asked about those votes and why they did not support any of those immediate cost-cutting benefits that would be directly helping you and your family and your loved ones. And it just seems that time and time again, every time Democrats introduce bills, they're to help people. Democrats are like, how can we make your healthcare costs lower? How can we cap insulin? And when the GOP introduces bills, it's how can we make your pregnancy illegal? How can we lock you up? How can we restrict your freedoms? How can we take away your right to vote? The contrast couldn't be more clear. And we need to constantly be spreading the message about who is really trying to help. And you might have, oh, but Democrats have power of the presidency and the Senate and the House of Representatives, and they didn't get X, Y, and Z done. Well, first, they did get a ton done. It actually has Mm -hmm. been a historically successful first couple of years, despite the fact that we couldn't pass some of these major pieces of legislation. But then we have to be honest about how government works. And when you need two thirds of the Senate to pass a bill and you have 50 senators on a good day to pass those bills with really one or two that aren't even quite full Democrats to vote with you, and you have a filibuster that those people are not willing to subvert. You have to run into the realities of government. And so you have two options. You have, okay, I'm not going to vote. I'm going to vote for more Democrats so we could actually pass these things that they've been working their asses off to pass. Or I'm going to elect more Republicans that when they get into power, they're going to work their asses off to turn America into a Russia-style autocratic nation. Those are your options. So don't reward this bad behavior. I'm, I'm tired of the rewarding of this bad behavior and these autocrats who want to bring us into the dark ages. There's this incredible quote that I read. I hadn't heard it before from a uh, Instagram account, voters for like the number for equality. And the quote was, and I mentioned it on the interview um, before was, don't tell someone you love them and then vote for someone who will hurt them. Mm. It really resonated with me. Like I I haven't heard it said so succinctly before because I think unfortunately you have to come to the sad realization that if it's a husband or wife or significant other or brother or sister or coworker, if they're voting for someone 
and they're proud to support that person or just support that person and be proud to, whose policies can directly kill you, whose policies will harm you, whose policies won't recognize you as a human being, Mm -hmm. whose policies will strip you of your dignity, who will put you in danger. Mm -hmm. You have to look at that person in the eyes and say, you don't love me. You don't care about me. You don't respect me. You, You may say you do. You may continue to be around me. It may make you feel good to be around me, but your actions show that you hate me. And that's really sad. And so when I fight for democracy, when I go on these podcasts, whether you're Democrat or Republican, I'm looking for policies that support humanity, that push us forward and help people be happy that tries to find a more perfect solution, that tries to fix the problems of the past. And when I think about what Midas Touch stands for, and when I think about, and Brett, we talked about this at the very beginning, and Jordy, we talked about this at the very beginning, the labels, the labels. (laughs) For me, it's about Mm pro-democracy. It's pro-love. It's pro-compassion. It's pro being anti-hate, anti-racism, anti-sexism, anti-discrimination against the LGBTQ plus community. That's that's where I stand. Because, you know, when I um, you know, there's there's a song that I heard recently. It's a country song. The lyrics are, "I'm in a hurry to." I'm in a hurry and don't know why when all I got to do is live and die. Like, why am I at the end of the day, we, we share this very short time together on, on planet earth. And so why are you supporting policies and people who use that short period of time to spread hate Mm -hmm. and not love it's beside me for money for a short period of material wealth for because it makes you feel strong because it makes you feel a part of something that that's that's how you're spending your time your your short life to to hate others that's sad that's why i'm so grateful to have the platform of midas touch and, and all of your support and really really i mean this i mean this when you turn off this podcast Go and do something. Mm -hmm. It could be small. It could be big. It could be violet. (laughs) It could be whatever. (laughs) Just do, just, 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 just do something that, that will be help spreading the message of pro-democracy. Jordy. That's how you're going to just toss it to me about Wondery. (laughs) Just bring something. And uh, as we close the show out. Start going into a Wondery read. In 2007. (laughs) (laughs) As we, as we close, we should keep that in the pod too. It's funny. As we close the pod. pod. As we, as we, as we close the pod, Jordan, you can tell them about the podcast that everybody should. I mean, they should really, they should really listen to this. No, seriously, please listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in 2007 two roommates rented out an air mattress to strangers to earn extra money their little experiment turned into airbnb and exploded into a worldwide phenomenon 
with rentals in over 100,000 cities. But one of those cities didn't want anything to do with the startup, New York. Business Wars is a podcast from Wondery that examines the world's biggest company rivalries and how the outcomes of these battles shape what we buy and how we live. In the new season, Airbnb versus New York City, hear how the battle with the city became a symbol of struggle between startups and regulators. As Airbnb hosts realized how lucrative this side hustle could be, it quickly expanded to include entire apartments, luxury units, and even castles. Soon, real estate speculators were snapping up properties left and right to rent out on Airbnb. But rather than make money for regular people as it promised, Airbnb began to limit New York's already short supply of affordable housing. Angry renters complained so much that New York City officials decided to do something about it. But Airbnb wasn't going down without a fight. What I love about this podcast, there's a lot of different twists and turns. You really don't know who to root for, the startup, the big guy, the city. Hey, check it out. It is suspenseful as heck. Listen to Business Wars on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Great, great ad read. I love Wondery. So definitely really check that out. They, they do an incredible job immersing you in the narrative. It's fun. It's educational. It's inspirational. Did you guys like how I changed my inflection from the start? Yeah, of the it's, it's, it's it's great. You made your voice really deep. I was yeah, great, yeah, great, sure great inflection. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode <laughs> of the Midas Touch podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We did tell you it was going to be a great one. Special thanks to our sponsors, Buck Mason, Athletic Greens, Thesis, Grove Collaborative, and Wondery Business Wars. Thank you to our guest, Jessica Denson, for all of her work and inspirational footwork and, and the fights that she has and the success she has beating Trump in court. Want to thank all the Midas Mighty. Check out the Midas Mighty merch store, the Midas Touch merch store. Um, and, you know, d definitely get all the Midas Touch gear as we head into the summer. You just go to store.midastouch.com. Again, it's store.midastouch.com. We'll see you next time on the Midas Touch podcast where truth is golden. Shout out to the Midas Mighty!